0: from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to reformationboise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. We are working our way through Ken Sandy's book, The Peacemaker, and... He has this category, this framing of the four Gs. The first is glorifying God. That's the foundational component, this idea that even in conflict, our call as believers is to glorify God. Um, That actually is true in all of life. We have one Presbyterian in here in, in their catechism, the shorter catechism, Their question and answer, it would begin with, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is... The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So the main part of our life is to glorify God. And, And if we truly embrace that, and I think we should. Actually, there are three of us in here that at one point in time were confessing Presbyterians. So... We we're, all we're all Presbyterian, Reformed. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So we all hold to this idea that our chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him together. I'm just Westminster. You're just Haddelberg. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. Right. <laughs> um, and hopefully, you in, you can embrace that even in the midst of conflict. And we're not going to try to minimize the the hurt of it, the difficulty of it, the, the struggle of it. But hopefully, you still see it as an opportunity. And in the next while, what we want to do is give you tools to help you do it faithfully. And so this is the rest of the G's of Ken Sandy's book. And today we're going to start in the second one, Get the Log Out of Your Own Eye. And that involves examining your role in that conflict. And in order to do so, it's helpful first to define the issues. What is, is Is it a material thing? Are you fighting about stuff? Or is it a personal issue? Is, has there been wrongful attitudes and have feelings been hurt? Have, has it become personal on an emotional, relational level, not on a material level? And in these conflicts, there are different faults that can happen. Sometimes it's just you can just be overly sensitive. Y'all know those moments where you're in something and you're like, why am I so touchy on, on this? I am. I know I'm, I'm hurt. I know I, I was offended, but it really shouldn't have been what it was. And then you, you realize as you step back, I, for whatever reason, I was just overly sensitive. Maybe you just need a snack. Yeah. Right? Like you're a little hangry and yeah. a little <laughs> oversensitive. <laughs> you yeah. need a safe space. That's right. And then sometimes it's the fault of sinful behaviors. It's the sin within. We went through James 4 in previous issues of what's causing these fights among you. I mean, and it, it's the sinful attitudes and actions and behaviors um, that are coming out. Today, what we really want to spend the lion's share of our time is on this idea of repentance. And Ken Sandy moves into this, examining your role in the conflict. But we thought it would be good just to step back before we move into that and just talk about repentance with regard to God and what does that look like. So how would you help our listeners with just understanding what is true repentance?
1: Well, at the very foundation, it starts between you and God. That's the overarching relationship that has to be restored. And in the sin that we commit, David, when he was caught in his sin, king david um you know god used him in a mighty way when he was not perfect by any means uh, he committed adultery he committed murder um to cover it up and um was going about his happy life when god confronted him through the prophet nathan and uh david through you know the story nathan told about a rich man who takes a poor man's little ewe lamb to serve to his guests rather than from his own massive flock and uh, David was angry and, and indignant about and what the rich man did in the story, and and uh, condemned himself by his own condemnation of the rich man. And you know Nathan's words, "You are the man." And from that we have Psalm fifty-one, and Psalm fifty-one is a psalm of deep repentance. And the place where David begins is against you only. Have I sinned in speaking to God? And it uh, doesn't mean that he didn't owe some confession and repentance to Bathsheba and uh, the family of Uriah, but that's where you start is with God.
0: In repentance, there are two sides of the coin. The first is our attitude towards the sin, and the, the idea is that we hate it, we flee from it, we turn away from it, we confess that we have we have to own that our our misdeed our, our sin, our transgression. and then the second side is that we run to Jesus Christ. we love him, um, we cling to him so we turning away from sin, we're turning to Christ. so it, it's it's not one or the other. it has to be both. And sometimes in repentance, what you see in false repentance is, There is acknowledgement that something went wrong, and sorrow, not over the sin, but over the consequences. Yeah, what Paul calls worldly sorrow. Yep. And if you're a parent, you've seen this, I'm sure, in your own children. If you're an honest person, you've always also seen it in yourself. But that your kids are sorry about the fact that they got caught – they're sorry about the consequences. They're sorry about the punishment, but they're not actually sorry about what they did wrong. Mm-hmm. And genuine repentance is no. You you see the sin. You own the sin. You're horrified from the sin, and you turn and flee. But you have to turn and flee to Christ. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're like the the person who had the devil, uh, the demon cast out, and the house was swept clean, and then. More demons come back in. Mm-hmm. There, it has to be filled with something else. It has to be filled with Christ.
1: And it might be helpful too. Uh, there's, oftentimes, we use the words confess and repent you know, interchangeably, but there are slight differences. Mm-hmm. With confession, we're actually acknowledging what we've done and we're asking for forgiveness. And the word repentance, you know, comes from a word that where we get our word metamorphosis when we're talking about you know caterpillars turning into butterflies or moths there's a a change there's in that word there's contained in it a a complete change of direction so with repentance with genuine repentance there is as as you uh, as Russell just you know said of a a severing of sinful desires a turning away from those sins and a turning to Christ there's a a change of direction there
0: and part of this repentance involves examining yourself and when you're dealing on a horizontal level in relational conflict and wrongs that have been done you need to step back and say well what was my role how did i contribute to this in order to repent you you have to be able to to have an honest assessment and ken sandy gives us some some tools to help examine our role in the conflict. And the first one he gives is using your tongue as a weapon. So how does, what does that look like as far as how we need to be careful about that? What is involved with that?
1: Well, James uses the analogy of how a wildfire can be sparked just by a tiny little spark flame or a massive ship is steered by a little tiny rudder so so is the tongue it it can if if a man has mastered his tongue he's kind of mastered his life and uh um the tongue is a powerful weapon you know in in grade school we hear sticks and or sticks and stones may break my bones but words will never hurt me or i'm rubber you glue whatever you say it bounces off me and sticks to you Uh, that's just a lie we tell ourselves as kids because emotional wounds that words cause can last a lifetime whereas bones that they're broken can will heal. Yeah, I think James makes a, g- a great point in chapter one. He's a little bit of irony there. He says the person who's able to take his tongue is a perfect man. Mm-hmm. I think he says that tongue in cheek, knowing right. that no one is perfect right? yep. except Christ alone. So it, it starts with us that all of us have a place to examine the words we use, the tone we use, and the timing we use with our words in the midst of conflict. Am mm-hmm. I motivated again out of a desire to glorify God and achieve peace, or am I motivated motivated to twist the knife mm-hmm. and to continue the conflict with my words? Mm-hmm. And in, 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 in the way you said you know there, just the way you said things or, or with the way you say things is is important as what you say because you can say I love you in a way that's actually genuinely true or you can say I love you in a way that shows that you actually hate the person.
0: When we were raising our kids, we would say – we would try to use a criteria for whether something should be said and we would say ask yourself three questions and all three have to be true. You can't get two out of three and say, oh, that's close enough. So you always ask, is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Mm -hmm. And if you can't answer yes to all three of those, then you don't say it. And sometimes people will say, well, I didn't didn't gossip. I didn't slander because what I said was true.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But was it kind? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Was it necessary? And if the answer is no, then you did slander. I mean... It's not just saying untruth about saying it's it's mm-hmm. saying things that you ought not say about somebody mm-hmm. yeah there's a there's a line the truth told with evil intent beats all the lies we can invent you know and people will do that and you'll see you with this matter of the tongue there's a there's a number of ways in which it's done I mean the The passive-aggressive has figured Mm. it out. Uh, He's, uh, you know, the gaslighter has figured it out. The, you know, I mean, just even an angry outburst. But there's all kinds of ways in which this tongue creates the conflict. And this is what we're talking about how am i using my tongue i really i I really like what russ has said is this Mm -hmm. is it is it is it uh, necessary is it kind well let's see is it true is it necessary is it kind ken sandy goes through this list and he says be careful about reckless words saying things at in the heat of the moment, sometimes mm-hmm. you just need to walk away. You need to, to pause and, and step back and, and not send that text right away, send that email right away. My wife is still working with me on this <laughs> process. Uh, the second is grumbling and complaining. Sometimes you find yourself in moments where, yeah, something didn't work out exactly how it should have been or what you wanted or what you expected, and the default then is to complain, to grumble. and is it necessary would be the criteria in those moments sometimes it's just straight up falsehood and some of it's the direct lie some of it's the i'm going to bring a little truth in it but i'm going to let them think something else even though that what they're thinking isn't true Mm -hmm. i didn't necessarily tell them to think that but i brought them there
1: yeah the truth Uh, doesn't need curating yes yes Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Gossip, slander, and then worthless talk. Mm. And what I have found to be helpful personally for myself is that just spending some time in the book of Proverbs. Mm. A huge book of relational wisdom. Yes, yes. And just so much in there about the tongue, Mm. about the words that we use and how we use them and, and the direction that that can either be for good Or the direction it can be for for hurt and for negative. Mm -hmm. Well, we did not get deep into this idea of what repentance looks like on a horizontal level, our role in the conflict. We will continue this conversation tomorrow. Hopefully you can join us and we'll see you then.